You're listening to Freshly Brewed, Episode 5. I'm your host, Jeff. Once upon a time, there was a man named Jeff. He was a podcast host. And he was anonymously stalking Instagram influencers using one of his fake accounts. Now, during his secret adventure, he came across an attractive woman on Instagram who happened to be biting into a chocolate bar. She eats a chocolate bar, he thought to himself. She's so fit and healthy. Curious as he always is, Jeff decided to learn more about this chocolate bar. He discovered that it was called a Midday Square, described by the company behind it as a functional chocolate bar that is everything a chocolate bar isn't, but everything a protein bar wishes it was. As both a marketer and health and wellness lover, Jeff needed to know more. So he went on the company's website and ordered a sample pack. When the package finally arrived, Jeff noticed something odd. The company's founders had taken a Polaroid selfie of themselves and even hand wrote a note to him on the photo. A custom message? Jeff wondered. Companies don't have the time to do this. This made Jeff even more intrigued and more excited to try this uniquely branded bar. Jeff took his first bite and it really did taste great. But Jeff was more fascinated by this brand and the people behind the brand. So he did some more online stalking and quickly realized that this company was unlike any other company he had witnessed. He found videos of the founders online, dancing, jumping, and screaming positive phrases. He found recordings published on YouTube of their team strategy meetings, something that is quite unusual in today's pretty opaque culture of business. Jeff also loved their hilarious and genuinely authentic LinkedIn titles and their no BS messaging on their website and social media pages. Jeff was inspired, not just as a Midday Squares customer who now eats one of these bars every day, but he was inspired as a lifelong student of marketing and branding, someone who appreciates just how rare it is to find a team or person as authentic and creative and different as Midday Squares. Midday Squares just sold its one millionth bar, and it's done this in the most unconventional, scrappy, creative, straight up way that I've ever seen. So today, I, the subject of this story I just told you, will be speaking with Jake Carls, aka Jake the Rover, aka co-founder of Midday Squares. Jake is a living, breathing example of what can happen when you live a life that is yours, when you do things differently and creatively and boldly. As Jake says, if it's not fuck yeah, then it's no. This is a guy that goes all in, in life and in business, and I have to say, in today's business culture, this is so refreshing. This is going to be a sweet episode. You see what I did there. So let's get going. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Freshly Brewed. Here's your host, Jeff Fenton. Episode 5, Freshly Brewed. I have a guest who's dialed in all the way from Montreal. Jake, welcome to the podcast. What's going on, my man? All the way out uh, here in Quebec. I love the the uh, Montreal man. It it really makes me feel like I'm uh, I'm beside you here in Montreal eating a Montreal bagel. Oh, they're so much better than Toronto bagels. Okay, don't 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 give me a reason to knock you off the podcast uh, this early. Yeah, it's too early. We got to we got to get it going. It's too early to get knocked down. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I I could use some positive vibes right now. I'm uh, I'm recording in in my place that still is surrounded by construction that isn't stopping despite despite pretty much every other business shutting down and the person above me thought it would be a great day to uh, i guess install a whole new i don't know built-in cabinet because the drill's been going non-stop so apologies in advance for any weird noises you might hear <laughs> no i don't hear anything yet so i'll let you know if i do though 
Jake, I, I love asking people this during this time. What's uh, what's your isolation life been like and how, if at all, has your alcohol or caffeine intake <laughs> changed? So yeah, so good thing is we're, well, good thing and bad thing is we're an essential business. So we, we manufacture food, right? So um, we're actually kept open. Our whole front team is at home and our and our production team is here every single day. So me and my partners decided that, you know, out of support, we're going to be here, be here and supervise. So my caffeine intake has actually increased, um, you know, instead of doing two cups of coffee a day, I'm about four. So it's doubled. My alcohol, uh, I don't get to see my girlfriend. So we do like these wine dates, which are like on Zoom, which is kind of strange. But like, you know, <laughs> I'm drinking a lot more red wine, which I never did before, you know, so yeah, a little bit of an increase. I, I'll tell you, I did. Uh, I did my first and probably last Zoom date, like re- <laughs> real date. Uh, it was. It. it was. You know what? It was. It was interesting because it. It. Well, I hope. I doubt they're listening. Who even really listens? To <laughs> <podcast>? <laughs> uh, but but it was nice because, you know, in a normal date, if it's not going great, you have to wait for you know the drink to finish. You got to wait for the bill. There's all these things you got to wait for. And this one, it was sort of, you know, when when I when I guess I wanted it to end, it was a very nice segue to just wrap it up. So it was a much more efficient way to meet someone. Maybe it's the new way of doing things, you know, rewriting history, baby. Let's go. Hey, it's during times like this that new businesses and I guess new dating protocols are established. A hundred percent. We got to adapt quick, you know. <laughs> survival of the fittest so exactly. Jake, I'm, I'm so glad that that you've joined me on the podcast you are you know the, the chief rover officer which you're going to tell our guests a little bit more about of midday yeah. squares you guys are creators of probably the the one food i'm i'm unbelievably addicted to you guys are making um these now increasingly famous functional chocolate bars that seem to be taking over instagram and grocery stores and, and also my fridge but, yeah. but before we before we get into midday squares and and what you guys are doing there, tell us who is who is Jake Carl's uh, in your own words life before today. So yeah, so well, thank you for that intro. That was like a, a pretty pretty wild dope introduction. You know, make you make practice it all night. <laughs> I like that. So yeah, so my name is Jake Carl's, and I go by J- uh, Jake the Rover. It's my nickname. We'll talk about that a little later. But um, before Midday Squares, like you discussed, the functional chocolate bar, I was doing like you know a clothing company. I was basically throwing parties on college campuses, and that basically defines who I am because I'm a very social guy. I like to have fun. People give me the energy I need every single day, and if I'm not surrounded by people, like especially during a time like this in Corona, um, I'm getting affected deeply because I'm in a, I'm a strong extrovert, and um, you know my whole life has been surrounded by tons of people every single day. I've always been that guy that gets home and goes to do something right away when I get home. I can't sit still, um, so I'm struggling a little bit right now, but. Um, overall, yeah, energy is driven by people. And if I'm not around people, I, I really get, um, I get saddened actually. And, um, I, I, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. You know, I studied to be an actuary. I went to university of Western Ontario in, in London. And that was the time in my life, but not because of education, because, um, of the social aspect. I, I joined a fraternity. It was Sigma Chi, um, had the time in my life in that you know, was a party animal, didn't get, didn't get really good grades, you know, 60, 62, maybe 58, um, dropped out of actuarial science because it was just way too complicated and ended up getting a degree and an honors degree in financial economics, um, which I don't use today at all. 
Um, and yeah, I realized that my, my skill was nothing to do with academics or anything along that sort. It was with people. So I was like, how can I use that to my advantage? And that, that, that segues into, um, my journey at midday squares. And, you know, I play to my strengths here and I don't play to my weaknesses. And before this journey, I was always playing to my weaknesses. I was trying to do the accounting. I was trying to do this. I was trying to do everything that, you know, entrepreneurs think they have to do everything, which they don't. Um, you just need a good team and good partners to, to get things done. So that's a little bit about myself. Um, I'm also a goalie. So kind of weird. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's just sprinkled it at the end. Okay. So the, the story of how I met you is, is I think very telling to the type of brand you have and, and not just personally, but your company. I mean, as I explained in my intro, I, I came across your product on Instagram and I tried it. You guys wowed me off the bat with this, you know, selfie photo that had a Sharpie custom written message on it. I linked into you within probably 10, 20 minutes. You responded. You guys are super personal and you're just so different. And before we get into what Midday Squares is doing, I'm trying to really uh, uh, prolong the tease here. I'm really, you know, creating a lot of foreplay. Like <laughs> has, has, has this been something that's um, been a part of your DNA your whole life, being different, doing things uh, a little bit unconventionally? And and when did you, when, if if so, did you really discover that? Well, yeah. So you're totally right, actually. You you hit the spot on that one. So me, my whole life, um, I've been I've been different, and I've gone to a lot of trouble. Um, not in a, not criminal trouble or anything like that, but like, you know, the class clown troublemaker style thing like that. And I've always loved that. I've had a, like a, an adrenaline rush of doing things differently and not following necessarily the, the red tape that's always out there. Like, for example, you know, when I, when I would come home from university on, on the summer times, um, I would never, my parents always like get a nine to five job or get a job, some sort of thing to pay bills, you know? And I was like, you know, for me, it was like, Hey, I can't do that. Like, I just, it's not who I am. Right. At the end of the day, it's like, if you're not, if, if I don't love what I do, I ain't going to do it. And what ended up happening was I ended up starting, you know, I, I was fit, very fit at the time. I'm still pretty fit now. Um, but I was very fit at the time. I was working out twice a day when I was in college and I was really jacked up and people liked that. So what I did was I just, when I came home from university, all I did was I was like, screw it. I'll put, I'll put a couple of things on Snapchat at the time. It was Snapchat, the dominant social platform. And I was like, let me just disrupt people's day by giving free workouts, loud music, no shirts on all this type of like crazy, like Venice beach style in Montreal and outdoor training. And anyways, what I did was every summer, because I didn't want to do a job, I ended up turning this training, which I wasn't even certified um, as a trainer or anything. I ended up starting to train 150 people per summer. And I was making like serious bank as a college kid, like even serious bank for what it would be right now. Um, And I missed that because what ended up happening was I would basically do what I was love. I basically did what I loved every single time. And until I lost my motivation and passion for it is when I'd stop. Every time I would lose passion, I knew that was the moment that I needed to change what I was doing in life. And I would always try to break the rule a different way. So this outdoor training was like crazy. I was basically using the streets of my neighborhood to train people in the blasting music at 6 a.m. People were getting livid with me. The, the security would come around. I'd use that as, as, as a story to tell for people on Snapchat and more and more. And people started seeing it and wanting to be part of it. So it has been in my DNA to be that different type of character and do things differently. Um, And again, I always tell you, like my energy comes from people. So if I'm not around people, that doesn't happen. So I surround myself all the time with people, whether that's negative people or positive people. And my goal 
is to change that negativity and turn into positivity. So bringing the energy, like, you know, like you were talking about that custom selfie. Um, yeah, that, that shit's crazy. And we, we stalk people, um, and, and look them up a little bit and see what something about them. So we could pick something about them, which kind of screws with their mind. It's like, what the hell is this? Like, I just got a message from these three crazy, crazy people. And it's like, who are they? Who is this company? What do they do? And it kind of gives you that type of behavior before even trying the product or knowing about the company. You know, you go, you're like, what the fuck? Excuse my language. Um, oh, it's, it's all F-bombs welcomed here. Okay. F-bomb central. And yeah, so that it has been in my DNA to, to always break that red tape. And, and whether that, whether I was 10 years old or 26 years old, it doesn't make a difference. You know, I've always, I've never changed and I've stayed authentic to that my whole life. And, you know, people around me can vouch for that. Um, you know, I, I make people a lot of the time uncomfortable actually, you know, so that, that's me. Jake, here's, here's what I'm curious about. It takes people, well, some people will go through an, their entire life without doing things that are truly aligned with them because they're, you know, afraid of the consequences or they just, they, they just can't work up the courage to do so, or they find reasons not to some people, it takes, you know, decades and decades and decades. And it seems like from a very early point in your life, you've sort of said, fuck it. I'm doing me. I'm, I'm going 6am on the streets and, you know, tarps off for, for the older people to think that means shirts off. Um, I, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing me. What, what do you, what do you tell yourself to get over that fear that I think everyone has, which is, uh, I don't know if I want to do this because the consequences might be big. So it takes time, right? So at first you can't, it's like, I have a bunch of my buddies who, who are still scared to take that leap. And I know that they want to do that leap because I, I talk to them, you know, deeply about, you know, some of the stuff that they're going through and it's, it's a step by step, like a brick by brick process. Like you're not going to make a huge decision and, you know, jump off the cliff and, you know, one day it's not going to work like that. What's going to happen is you need to work on building your confidence to being okay and accepting whatever is going to happen. And that's what it is. It's like, you know, you're going into something and if it fails, you need to be okay with that. You need to be mentally okay with whatever happens. And like I failed and it hurts your ego. It really does. But it's just, it's just your ego. You could fix that. You know, you could, you could, you don't need to take it so personally. And what ended up happening was when you take that leap, you know, there's no turning back because if you give it a half-assed worker, you're not playing to win. You're playing to not lose. That's not going to work. You need to always play to win guns blazing. And when you start to do that and you start to see little accomplishments, you feel something that I can't even explain in words. It's not rationalized in, in, in words for me because it's such a crazy feeling. You don't stop. Like when you're doing something that you love, even if you're not making money, let's just say it has nothing to do with money success, your success from your accomplishments, your men, your mentality, everything on that angle is it's, it's priceless. I'm telling you it's priceless. I've done it since a young age, but before that, when I went into study actuarial science, that was me not taking the risk that I knew I had to take. That was me following order of society saying to me, you know, I got to get a good job. It will pay me well after school. I will do it because I'm good at math. And from there I'll, I'll suck it up. So I sucked it up for three years, my man, three years in actuarial science. I was miserable. I was completely miserable and I didn't, I was too scared to, to, to leave. I thought, you know, people would think negatively of me or they would be like, oh, he just quit again. He's, he's, he's not going to succeed. You know, he always quits. He always has these things and then stops, you know? So I was scared of that. I was scared of what others thought of me. But at the end of the day, when you accept and not worry about what anyone else thinks about you, 
you you thrive because you're just going. You're 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 forward thinking and not not listening to that that noise that's always there to pull you down. Like between you and I, the people closest to you sometimes pull you down. They don't even realize it, right? So yeah. you've got to be careful. And your mentality needs to be, like I said, guns blazing and go out there. But accept that if failure failure is possible, failure is possible in anything you do. And if you don't accept that consequence of failure, you're just going to fear it. And your fear will always block you. It will block you when it will come back every hour of the day, whether it comes back from an email you're writing to, you know, whether it comes back from you going to work out midday, whatever it is, you need to get, you need to accept the fear of failure. Once that's accepted, I promise you greatness will come. I promise no matter what you're doing. Oh man, I love, I mean, first of all, the, the noise from the construction site, it's not even bothering me anymore because I knew you'd bring positivity. We're not even like 15 minutes in. So I, I just I love, love it. <laughs> and yeah. and it's it's amazing that you, that you say it in those words because one of the things that I found, and this has been very, very recently in my life is I've really tried to start doing things um, and being with people that I know are are gonna make me not just happy, but challenge me and fulfill me and do things where I enjoy the process, where it really feels like a process aligned to me. This podcast as an example. And what what I love about what you're saying is that 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 it's almost a high of doing something where the process is so aligned to you, where yeah, there's that risk, but you accept that risk. And if you fail, which you will, really that failure pales in comparison to sticking on the path, like the actuarial science path that you yeah. described. That's so misaligned to you. So I, I love that. And I feel like I've teased the audience enough. I've talked about this chocolate bar. That's the best of a chocolate bar, the best of a protein bar. It's it's removed the worst of either. So what the, well, let's drop it. What the fuck is midday squares? I love or that. anyone listening where I've just been telling them that I eat this thing every day and I eat two and probably I should only be eating one, but I, I go through the whole pack. What What is midday squares? First of all, that fires me up. That, that, that usually jacked me up right now. So yeah, so midday squares <laughs> is basically, we basically took a chocolate bar and a protein bar, made a baby between the two, but eliminated all the artificial stuff that's in protein bars. Everything that's negative about a protein bar, you know, like the the, the preservatives, the additives, the, the cane sugars, the whey protein, for example, all the stuff that could disrupt your digestive system, we basically eliminated and made it a chocolate bar with the functions of a protein bar. So we call it the first functional chocolate bar, basically everything a pro, everything a chocolate bar wishes it was, and everything a protein bar. Sorry, everything a chocolate bar. I don't even. I can't even believe I'm messing up my own slogan. Everything a chocolate bar isn't, and everything a protein bar wishes it was. So that's basically it. Like you know, chocolate lovers have always been chocolate lovers, um, and they usually just don't have any function to it. Like there's no high protein, high fiber. There's no like you know satisfying your chocolate cravings. There's no killing your hunger. And we decided to just make a bar, me, my sister, my brother-in-law, we decided to make a bar that basically had all those above and kind of was like, okay, it doesn't taste healthy, but it is healthy. And you're still getting your 90% dark chocolate, which is extremely dark and a lot of time too bitter. Um, and yeah, and the whole idea is not the product of our, but at the end of the day, the, the, the company is not about the product necessarily. The product's good. You need a good product, but it's it's about what we're trying to build. You know, our, our why is very different than a lot of the companies, you know, and we focus on making sure that we always um, get back to that why no matter what we're doing, even when we're creating a new flavor or, you know, when we're when we're hiring a staff member, whatever it is, if you don't follow your why, and again, this goes back to being, you know, true to yourself and aligned with, uh, you know, your, your process, again, you'll fail. 
you will fail, whether it's a business or personally, if you're not falling back to that why every single day. You should always be thinking of your why. And it's very hard to rationalize in words your why, but you know inside, kind of like they say gut feeling, what it, what you have to do, you know? So that's a little bit about midday squares. Um, you know, there's a lot more about it, but, you know, that's more facts and, and boring stuff. So, yeah. So, Jake, I, I'm someone who uh, has loved business for a lot of my life, mainly because I love brands who tell amazing stories. And I've always been very attracted to uh, really powerful brands, right? And we will always recite, you know, the the classics, you know, the Apple, the Disney, the Four Seasons. But it's very, very rare, I would say, for a brand to truly be unapologetically themselves, to really just know themselves, know their why, and consistently and boldly uh, share that with the world. And one of the things that I found about Midday Squares is that every single touch point from your website to your Instagram page to the shirt you sent to the Polaroid picture, which by the way, I was sniffing because I was like, is this an actual Sharpie? Oh my, yeah, they actually oh, messaged me. I love that. <laughs> I love that you did that. Everything about the the Midday Squares experience and brand is super authentic and compassionate and customer centric. What I want to know is, was that your intention from the start? Yeah. So very important. This. Um, so when we ent- when we started this business, um, you know, we knew that a lot of companies are just like they don't put themselves out there. They don't tell a story. They just sell a product. They sell a commodity. They don't get people behind something bigger than just the product, right? So when we started, my sister actually, Leslie, she's the creator of the actual bar. Um, she said she believed the product was so good. And this is, it sounds very, you know, um, she has a lot of confidence in it, which, which we do, that she wanted to guarantee, and this is what the Polaroid is about, guarantee that the product, that if they didn't like it, that she would take it back. And she wanted to write it on a message that she would take it back on that Polaroid. But then we started saying to ourselves, okay, that's great and all, but let's let's do what we love to do. Let's get funky. Let's spread that positive energy. Let's get, let's get, let's get personal with people. We love getting personal. We love to know people. And when we started saying those those messages, those Polaroids with the messages, we literally used to, obviously now it's a little harder. Um, but when we first started, we used to literally go on people's Instagram pages, okay, go through all their posts, sounds a little stocky, like, and find something interesting about them, whether it's about a dog, whether it's about a trip they just went on, and we would write about that. So when you do that, you hit a personal connection, an emotional connection with the consumer right off the bat before they even try your product. So think about it. They purchase your product. They get the they get the product. They see this picture, like you're talking about with a Sharpie on it, a handwritten message from us. I was writing a lot of the messages. And Basically, you would talk about, hey, how was your trip to Florida? And you'd be like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, how did they know I was in Florida? You know, so what that did was allow people to humanize the brand right off the bat. And when we started humanizing the brand, making the brand not about just chocolate and building chocolate, sorry, just about selling chocolate, it was about how do we show consumers the real story of entrepreneurship and real story of the good, the bad, the ugly of building a business, partnerships, firing, you know, uh, problems, successes, everything. That's when people start to resonate and relate to you at a deeper level. And that means everything from customer service to the packaging of your product. If you don't, 
If you don't transmit the message of your why, and our why is literally just to tell the story of entrepreneurship in the realest, authentic, raw form, and I don't love using the word authentic because it's so overused with a lot of companies. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to say companies, not brands right now because I know you like brands. And a lot of companies have this sort of inauthentic way of trying to say, trying to be authentic. And for us, it's like we have cameras rolling. I could, uh, when you're, when you come to Montreal, you'll come see, we have camera cameras rolling 24 seven in our offices because shit happens. Drama happens. And we want to show consumers that yes, I want to choke my sister out sometimes <laughs> because she's, she's not agreeing with me on something. Yes. That needs to be shown because there's no perfect partnership. There's no perfect beauty behind it. And if people don't see that, they never know what it's like when they want to take that risk of becoming an entrepreneur and doing it themselves or doing it with a partner. We want to share as much insight to our knowledge, doesn't mean it's perfect, doesn't mean it's right, but to our knowledge with our consumers so they could live this experience with us. And that's where the brand builds. It's not about a good product. You do need a good product, but you need in today's world, you need a good product with a with a strong brand community. If you don't have those two, you ain't going to go as far as you wish to go because it's too competitive. It's too hard out there. And a lot of people are doing this kind of this, this inauthentic story, which they're not telling the right narrative and they're not telling the real narrative. And it's trying too hard when you don't do that. And you just, you, you become natural at it and it takes time to become natural at sharing things that you don't necessarily want to share. You start to see a little bit more success, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And the next thing you know, you have a, a community that's behind you, you know, good times and bad times, you know, what, what resonates with me with what you said is that it's less about the product and more about the brand. And one of the things I've always shared with people when we're talking branding or marketing is that if a brand is super successful and has a really strong community, you theoretically could sell anything. And we see examples of companies doing this and your customers will want it. If Midday Squares were to launch a, I don't know, a, a coffee bean or a toaster or a, 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 a now, now I'm really a, I like a shoe. The <laughs> these are all crazy extension ideas then then you're so bought into how they do it and why they do it that you trust them and exactly. i i should i should have made this clear early on this is not a this is not a sponsored podcast i'm getting paid nothing here although i hope you'll send me some montreal bagels at some point but, but i was so i was scrolling on linkedin one day and i saw this video from you guys where it was an unfiltered capture of one of your strategy sessions and you and your sister, you're like, you're going toe to toe and you're doing what probably most startups, in fact, what most companies wouldn't even dream of, which is being like 100% transparent. Uh, what, what on earth made you decide to do that? And what have you found uh, the, the response to be? So interesting. So first, it's very, you know, you at first, you know, I was always the guy in the company being like, okay, let's film everything. This is like from day one to in 2018. I in August 2018, I was like to the team, I was like, guys, let's film everything. Let's just keep it if you want to do a documentary one day, and we'll start posting things slowly. They, my two partners are introverted, um, which there's nothing wrong with being introverted, but they weren't comfortable necessarily being on camera at the beginning. And it was very, they were very insecure at it at the beginning. So they would go and then they would redo it. They would take it down. They wouldn't want to post it. And then I said to them, guys, fuck that. Like we agreed at the beginning. We basically went to agreement that we could show anything and everything about this business. Because if I was a consumer of a product that I liked or a brand that I liked, I would want to see everything. I would want to understand 
where they're struggling, where they're succeeding, what's going on in the company. If we're changing something of the product, let's make sure that we publicly tell them whether it's a bad change or a good change. And when you do that, you, like you said, you get trust. Trust is the hardest thing to gain in a co- in a company or even in personal relationships. Trust is what most the you know most marriages are built on. Most you know most genuine friendships are built on. So you know when you build trust in a company, like you said, you could sell a lot of products because they trust what you're doing and they know that you're always doing what you've been doing in the past. In the sense of you're not veering from it, right? You're not veering from those visions that you started with, the values that you came in with, the beliefs. And when the second you start changing that, and a lot of companies that get acquired and the founders start to exit the company, a lot of that, those visions of why end up fading. And they 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 go after, for example, more margin or they'll go after stuff like that. And then slowly you see the company falling apart internally and then externally right after that. So like for us, we have always been since day one, wanting to tell our story. And trust me, we've been through hell and back. Like, let me tell you, like, we, we've we've gone through horrible moments and we questioned whether to share them or not. And I said, we, we agreed. The deal is we share everything, obviously, without harming certain, you know, external sources or other things like that. But whatever it is, we have therapy sessions between our partnerships and they get really gruesome and like really crazy. And you're going to see a story a whole video going up tomorrow, I think, um, about my sister and my brother-in-law, they're married, um, about their marriage, how it's changed over time. And, you know, people like that, they crave that because they're going through it, but they never see it publicly and they never think anyone else is going through it. So when you share these things and it's real, you're going to see this whole session of the therapy. It's crazy. And it, 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 it strikes emotions, different, sad, happy, crazy, what all these different emotions, which is very hard to find from a brand, you know, it's usually from, sorry, companies usually never strike emotion. All they're doing is selling to you, right? They're not striking that emotion, that connection to your, your deeper connection in you. And our goal of since day one has been, how do we do that? Um, and how does it not become a chore or a, a duty? And all of that was, was just tell the right story, the real story of what's happening. Oh man, it, 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 it you know, hits me at so many different levels. I, I often say that one of the problems with Instagram, just with with personal Instagram pages, is that you you see the good and only the good. And so you're trained to believe that that's this person's life and you don't see any of the bad happening. And we forget that companies do this too. In fact, more so, like a company's social media page or website, a company is in business to put its best foot forward. But as you said, how do you really build trust if you're not showing the not so good. So I love it. And it's clearly, it's clearly worked for you. And you just hit a massive milestone. <laughs> yeah. A big can, one. Can you, can you share the milestone and what you attribute that milestone to? So huge milestone, probably, you know, I never, I didn't even think this, to be honest, I was the pessimist at the beginning of this. I never thought like, you know, we were selling chocolate. We were selling at the beginning. I was like thinking to myself before when I joined this company, it's chocolate and protein. There's such a saturated market, you know, like that's what I told my partners and they really pushed me to, to believe in, in this product at the beginning. And I was like, you know, you're skeptical. You know, people are always skeptical and I, and everyone, everyone has the right to be. And when we thought, I said, you know what, could we ever sell a million bars? I said to them that. And I said, they're like, yeah, we're going to get there. And I'm like, I don't think so. Like inside I was like, yo, I, I, that's a lot. That's like crazy to even think about a million bars is 2 million squares. And we ended up selling that. We broke that. It, it wasn't actually last week. It was about a month ago. Um, and we just posted about last week, but it, it was special because 
that milestone goes to every single person that has supported us in the sense of, and I know, you know, we thank, you know, you thank everyone, blah, 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 but it's not about that. We have a community called Crew Love, which we call Crew Love. It's, it's basically our customers and people that, you know, believe in what we're doing and they have single-handedly grown our business, triple Xing it. They have single-handedly sped up the progress and the growth of our company like, like, like you can't even pay for that. You can't even hire advertising companies or whatever it is. Organic growth comes from a community and a community can push your brand to another level just by believing in what you believe in and genuinely wanting to advocate for you. And that's what they've done. They've got us into Whole Foods. You know, our community pushed our product into Whole Foods, got us in touch with Air Canada for the on-room magazines. They've done things that like are salespeople can't even do you know so when, when when we when you guys think of a brand the most important thing obviously you need a product like i told you before you need a good product you do need a good product you can't just win with eventually will catch up to you if you don't have a good product but you really need that community to win you that battle sorry to win you that war so you can win the battle with the product but you won't win the war without a community and that's what's important and yeah we hit a massive milestone and our thank and we're grateful for our crew love and you know we try to show it as much as possible but again it's it's still hard to you know when it's like you just in case you leave someone out you know so i thank everybody is is the answer hey congratulations and i'm i'm glad to have to have been able to have a small contribution there because in return i've gotten some uh some some satisfaction every day from from a nice bar let's be honest or two squares uh 2 to 3 p.m. like clockwork uh it's it's been awesome and i even uh i even rock my my midday square shirt although it is it is a little big on me so i, I like to do that in the comfort of my own condo but oh, i'm sure we can talk that. about mind of it, uh, getting a more form fitting uh shirt so we'll get you another one <laughs> yeah and you're going to write a personalized message and it's going to it's going to wow me again so then that'll be podcast number uh, number 2 together <laughs> so so jake you got uh, fudge yeah you got almond crunch again this is not a sponsor i just want to be clear to my listeners not sponsored i'm just a, a huge uh, mds lover what's next for you guys are you able to share you know what's what's in the pipeline or are there some things that still have to remain secret so most of you remain secret but i can give you a little hint um so we're we're gonna we're basically gonna launch a couple more products that are similar to the one we have now so like the almond crunch and the fudge yeah we're gonna launch in the same category so like that refrigerated bar um, we have about three more coming. So our, our next one's coming very soon. Um, it's, it's going to be our best one by far. Um, it's already done. We're just waiting. We're, we're deciding when's the right time to, to actually launch it. Um, cause of this COVID stuff that hit, it was supposed to be before this and, and then boom, smacked us hard. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to go into, like I said, we're a chocolate company, so we're functional chocolate. So anything to do with real chocolate, and snacking is what we're going to go into. So we're going to touch on other different categories in the future. We want to build this to become what we want to take on basically take on Hershey's. So imagine Hershey's were to start in 2020, the modern day Hershey's. Hershey's wouldn't be what it was because people don't want to have palm oil anymore. They don't want to have soy lechon. They don't want to have all the cane sugars. They don't want that stuff. They want better for you food. So basically that's what we're trying to create. Um, I take, I call it the modern day Hershey. 
Um, and we are a manufacturer, so we do everything in-house, which is really cool. Like, you know, everything's made here in Montreal in our facility in the building I'm in right now. And a lot of food companies actually don't do that. They co-pack their products. So that's something unique because our product couldn't be co-packed. We tried to at the beginning and we tried to, you know, basically a co-packer, you send your ingredients and they build your product and then they ship it out for you. It's a third party contractor. That's what it is. And companies don't have to have the overhead of having a whole facility, the machines, the this, the that. And we tried, we went to nine different co-packers and every single one tried to change our product. And they said, we can't make this on our machines because the way you guys make your chocolate, the way you guys have your certain ingredients, we have to use palm oil instead of cocoa butter. And we said, well, we're going to stick to a, who we are, even if it costs us way more money to build out a manufacturing plant. And we take that risk, like again, a risk, a huge risk to downpay that kind of money for a plant. And, you know, we did that. And that's another part of our story of our why is again, like, we leaped, we jumped, we did what we knew was right. We didn't just give in to this, to what, what everyone else was doing. Oh, change your ingredients, change your product, you know, for the sake of something else that fits in that box. Right. And, um, everything with our products that are coming out are not in the box. What I mean by that is it's always something different than you could imagine. It's not going to be like, Oh, we're just going to release another bar. That's exactly a me too product of everything else, everything else. No, our mandate is to create better for you food snacks under the chocolate space that wow you every single time. Like it's wowed you. And set aside the branding, just think about the product. It needs to have, like I said, it needs to be a good product because you won't get your returning customers, even, even if they're brand loyalists. It's tough to get returning customers unless they can still they still want to consume your product. They could advocate for you. Doesn't mean they're repurchasing the product. You know, so as a business, you still need to create great products. And, you know, we have a food scientist too, actually, um, that work on our products every single day to either reformulate the current ones to make them even better. And, and number two is to create innovative stuff. And like I said, our machines that we have here, um, anything under the chocolate space we can create. So you can imagine we're going to bring back things that were in the nineties that the nineties kids loved and bring them back back in a healthier format. I can't wait. I want to end by giving you the opportunity to share advice with anyone who's figuring out their brand right now, personal brand, professional brand, you name it. Anyone who's figuring their identity out, what is the one piece of advice you would give them? So very simple for me, um, what's worked for me and I believe can work for a lot of other people, um, whether it's a business, personal, um, professionalism, whatever it is, is get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I always preach this and I, I don't usually like to preach things, but when you start to feel comfortable doing things that would regularly make you uncomfortable, I could promise I could promise you greatness will happen, whether it's a failure or a success, but you'll learn something. And when you start making that a habit of yours, the sky's the limit. And like literally, because, you know, I sit at a dinner table with a friend and I see someone that I might know and I go, I know who that person is. Let's say the the magazine editor of the, the, the Montreal Gazette, let's just say, I have no shame getting out of my comfort zone and going to that table and introducing myself because what do you have to lose? And when you do that, you'll start to see little things like that start building your success up. It will really work. And, you know, I used to be horrible public speaking. Now it's become a thing, you know, where I have no trouble even talking in front of a crowd, whether it's two people or 500, doesn't make a difference. You know, you, you, you still get those butterflies, but you're comfortable with those butterflies in your stomach, you know? I love it, man. I love it. And I think so many people have, have so much that they can learn, not just from 
your personal story, not just from the midday square story, but from this notion of, hey, do you and take the risk and get the fuck out of that comfort zone. Exactly. Because that's where the magic's happening. And I guess last but not least, yeah. where can people find out about Midday Squares? Where are you shipping? How can people get as hooked as I am? <laughs> uh, we, we hope that everyone gets as hooked as you are. And maybe it could be on every podcast. Um, no, so um, yeah, www.middaysquares.com for anyone across Canada, even in the US, we ship. We do free shipping across Canada. Obviously, the US is not free shipping yet. Um, we are in a thousand retailers, um, across Canada and, um, we're a lot of the time, you know, in the organic, like the natural stores, those where we typically do really well. And it's always refrigerated the bars in the fridge next to the kombucha stuff like that, grab and go. And, um, yeah, two days of, it takes two days to get your product when we ship it from here. And, um, I hope you guys love it. I hope you guys love chocolate and I really appreciate you bringing me on to your podcast. I had a lot of fun. You know, I've been on some podcasts and I find that you as an individual, uh, you ask the right questions. So you, you stem good conversation. Hey, I, uh, I've been trained well by my parents. <laughs> I like that. Thank you so much, Jake. Jeff, take care, brother. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.